good. Well, let's pray. Let's ask God to meet us in the word this morning. Lord, thank you for the, the presence of your Holy Spirit here this morning. Thank you for how you speak to us. Thank you for spiritual gifts. Thank you for the truth of uh, who you are that we were able to sing about in these songs. Thank you for leading Dave, Lord, to focus on trials and your faithfulness in trials and all the ways you're bringing all these things together. We love you, Lord. And just pray now. I need your help, Lord, in, in opening up your word. And would you give me clarity of mind? And would you give me your heart? And would you give all of us um, earnestness in hearing your word today? That we would press in. That we would ask you, what are you saying? What does this mean? How do I live this? Am I, am I living the way you call us to live? Lord, help us to be earnest. Not just to listen, not just to sit back, be entertained. Help us to press in to hear your word today. We know that warfare is going on. It's been going on here. It's going to be going on now as we open up your word. Satan is on the prowl. Would you come and conquer and encourage and teach and open our hearts to you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to start by having you picture your Christian life like a, a rocket ship, okay? And uh, it's on the launching pad, all right? And, and for, if, you're, if your Christian life is like a rocket ship on a launching pad, for it to launch is going to take some powerful fuel, okay? You need fuel to get up into orbit, all right? And in his word, God has told us what it is that fuels the rocket ship of our Christian lives. Okay, what, what fuels our love? What fuels our obedience? What fuels our perseverance? What fuels powerful Christian living? God's told us in his word. Now, Satan doesn't like it when we're fueled to powerful Christian living, and so he tries to trick us into using a different fuel. He tries to trick us into using a different fuel that God tells us not to be fueled by. Because if he can trick us into using a different fuel to, to think we're going to launch our Christian life that way, then the results are disastrous, as we're going to see as we look at this passage. And so, two questions. What fuel does Satan try to trick us into using? Second question. What fuel does Jesus call us to use to motivate, fuel, and power our Christian lives? Both those questions are answered in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. So let's go ahead and turn there. And as we always say, if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand and we'll bring one to you. We're passionately committed here about studying God's Word, so I want you to have a Bible in front of you that you can look at. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, finished up chapter 5 last week, and this morning we're digging into chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. So if you need a Bible, don't be bashful. We're going to be looking at a couple other different passages too, so we want you to have black and white, Word of God, there in front of you. Verses 1 through 6. What fuel does Satan try to trick us into using and what fuel does Jesus Christ call us to use? Matthew 6, verses 1 through 6. Look at what Jesus says. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have 
no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay, so what fuel is Jesus calling us to use to empower, to motivate, to, to motivate our Christian lives? What fuel is he warning us about, not using, I'm sorry. What fuel is Jesus warning us about? And the answer is right there in verse 1. Do you see it? Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Okay, that's the fuel he's warning us about. Desiring to do good things to be seen by their people, to be noticed by their people, to be recognized, to be applauded by their people. That's the fuel that he's warning us not to use to empower our Christian lives. And he gives two specific examples here. Verse 2, giving money to the needy. So some people in Jesus' time, uh, they would give money to the needy, but they would like blow a trumpet, you know, I'm giving to the needy, and just, you know, freely giving to them, and everybody would notice. And so Jesus says, don't do that. That's one example. They would blow trumpets. They would make it very clear that they were doing this so that everybody would know they were giving to the needy and so that they would be praised by the people who were watching them. So giving to the needy is his first example. Second example is in verse 5, praying. Some people in Jesus' time wanted to be sure that if they're going to pray, that people notice that they're praying. So they'd go to the synagogues. They'd stand up. They'd, they'd offer these flowery, you know, long prayers, everybody's impressed with their spirituality, or they'd go down to the corner of Almaden and Blossom Hill, and they'd stand on the street corner and pray, and everybody would be impressed with them. So giving is an example, and praying is an example. Now, we today, we don't blow trumpets, we don't stand on street corners to pray, but I just thought it'd be helpful to ask, what are some ways we could tell if we were pursuing the Christian life, if we were doing good things in order to be noticed, in order to be praised by other people? What are some ways that we could tell? I thought of four clues. Maybe you can think of some other ones. But one is, if you do some act of service or you do some, some ministry and you're hurt that nobody notices or that nobody thanks you for it, right? I think that's a clue that you're doing it in order to be noticed. Now, let me just say, if you see somebody else doing something good, notice them and thank them. That's your call, okay? That's what you're supposed to do. But if you're hurt that no one's noticed or no one's thanking, that might show that you're doing it in order to be noticed or in order to get thanks. So watch that. How about a second clue? If we do or don't do something, depending on who's going to be there, if the right people aren't going to be there to notice me, then I'm not going to bother. That would be a clue, I think, that we're doing it in order to be praised by others. Or if we're frustrated that somebody else is being noticed or praised more than we are, that's a dead giveaway. 
okay, that we're doing it in order to be praised by others. Or if we choose not to do something because nobody will notice, it's just an undercover, kind of a behind-the-scenes ministry we'll know. So those are four clues I thought of. Can you think of any others? What are some ways that we can tell when we're doing something to be praised by other people? Can you think of any other ones? Let's just kind of add to our list here. Any clues? That's it? Just those four? Okay, what? Anyway, so at least those four. So Jesus says we should not do spiritual activity in order to be seen by people. So what should we do? What should we do? Verse 3, he says that if you give money, this is a very familiar verse, your left hand should know that your right hand is writing that check. Okay, your left hand shouldn't know. All right. Or he says in verse 6, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and no one else will know that you're praying. Now you could think that what Jesus is saying here is that whenever you do anything good, make sure nobody knows anything about it. Okay, you could think that. That's not what he's saying. And one of the reasons we know that is back in chapter 5. Look at chapter 5, verse 16. He says what at first glance looks like something entirely contradictory to what he says in Matthew 6, 1 through 6. Matthew 5, verse 16. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. So do good works so that others can see them. That could sound like a contradiction until you see the next line, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Okay? So the point that Jesus is saying here is, let people see your good works, but the difference is, this is so that they'll give praise to your Father, not so that they'll give praise to you. So here in Matthew 6, 1 through 6, Jesus' point is not do everything in secret. Jesus' point is do righteousness, pray, and give, not to be praised by others. Do not have that be the reason. Don't do anything in order to be praised by other people. Do things if they see them so that they'll give praise to God, but don't do anything in order to be recognized so that people give praise to you. So just think about your heart. What motivates the things that you do in your Christian life? Like, like what, what motivates your home group involvement? Why are you part of your home group? What, what motivates that? Is it because you want people to notice and praise you? What motivates your men, you're leading your family, you know, you're, you're praying with your kids, you're, 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 you're pastoring your wife. What motivates that? Is it the desire to be recognized and noticed for that and praised by people? Is that part of what's going on there? What motivates your love for your husband, women? What motivates your caring for the poor, your giving money to the poor? What motivates your sharing the gospel? What, what's in your heart? As you look in your heart, can you see, are there, are there aspects of your motivation that are done in order to be seen and praised by other people? That's what Jesus is talking about here. He says, don't do anything in order to be praised by others. If others praise you, that's fine, but don't do anything in order to be praised by others. That's the fuel that Satan wants to trick us into using. Okay, so anybody here, can you think back in the last six months, Anything? has anybody here done anything in order to be praised by other people? Can we just have a time of true confession here? Anybody? Anybody? How about the rest of you? Okay. I think we all have. Okay, that's why Jesus is talking about this here. I fall into that very easily. Now, what happens if we do things in order to be praised by others? Look at verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people 
in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. No reward from God. None. Verse 2 says the same thing in different words. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. That is, that's all the reward they're going to get. Whatever level of recognition they get from other people, that's it. Nothing from God. No reward from God. Verse 5 says the same thing, different illustration. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Again, that's all they're going to get. No reward from God. So think about it. No reward from God. That just struck me this week. Not a below average reward. Not a small reward. No reward. No reward from God. That should send chills up and down our spines. What that means. And notice, in these verses, what keeps us from being rewarded by God is not what we do, it's why we do it. It's doing right things from the wrong heart. Right things from the wrong motivation. That's what Jesus is talking about here. If we do the right things from the wrong motivation in order to please, in order to get praised by other people, then we will have no reward from God. Okay, so what should our motivation be then? Because you've got to fight fire with fire. I mean, I look at my heart, and I, I love getting praised by people. I've told you that. That's one of my areas of battle constantly. And so how do I overcome that? Well, you can't say no to something unless you've got a bigger yes, right? A big old yes. And so what's the big old yes? What should motivate our obedience? Because you can't fight somebody just saying no, 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 no. You've got a big old yes that crowds out the no. All right? And so what, what is the yes? What should our motivation be that? Why should we pray? Why should I be in a DNA group? Why should I love my wife? Why should we seek to advance the gospel in our neighborhood? Why should we care for the poor? Why should we do those things? What should motivate us? And Jesus says that what should motivate us is the thought of being rewarded by God. Rewarded by God. Look at verses 3 and 4. When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. What should motivate our giving in that verse? The fact that if we give, God will reward us. Right? That's what should reward us. God's reward. That's what should motivate us. God's reward. Look at verse 6. When you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So what should motivate our prayer? Same. The fact that if I pray, God is going to reward me. This is an amazing passage. Jesus wants us to be motivated by rewards. Rewards. He wants you to give. God's going to reward me. He wants you to pray. God's going to reward me. He wants us to be motivated by rewards. Now, does that surprise you? I think that might be a little surprising to, to some of you maybe. Because many of us think that our main motivation like, should be maybe gratitude. And gratitude is absolutely crucial. We all need to grow in gratitude. 
But the, the vast majority of times motivations talked about in the scriptures, it's reward. It's God's reward, what he will reward you with. And I've just seen in my own life and over the years, there's many Christians that are uncomfortable with the concept of reward. It's like, oh, we just don't really feel like, is that, is that really why we should be motivated? It sounds kind of mercenary. It sounds kind of like, really? Should we be motivated by rewards? And, and as I've thought about it, I think the reason we're not comfortable with rewards is because we, we misunderstand rewards in two ways. There's two misunderstandings we have about rewards. So let me talk about these. We can have some time for a Q&A a little bit later and then see if, 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 um, if I'm explaining this well. But one misunderstanding we have about rewards is we think the reward, reward is health or wealth or comfort. Lots of people preach that way. Lots of people think that that's what Jesus is talking about here. That is not at all what Jesus is talking about. I mean, Jesus says, you know, you might get your head cut off if you follow me, okay? So forget the health, forget the wealth, okay? Something else has got to be coming, all right? So what is the reward that if it's not health or wealth, what is it? Remember back in chapter 5, Jesus puts it in one way, chapter 5, verse 8. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's the prize, seeing God beholding God. The way we like to talk about it here at Mercy Hill is we're all wired to find our highest joy in beholding greatness. You see greatness, it's like, whoa! That's why people drive to the Grand Canyon. That's why people go to Yosemite. That's why people go to Niagara Falls, right? We're all wired. Our highest joys come. That's why you go see like Lord of the Rings or you know whatever the latest movie, the Avengers, right? It's because it's like, whoa! Greatness! We are wired to find our highest joy in beholding greatness. And the infinitely greatest greatness is God. God is amazing. He's awesome. And when you, by the work of the Holy Spirit, see God, good, perfect, sovereign, always been, always will be, creator of everything, infinitely powerful, flawlessly holy and good and righteous. And when by the work of the Holy Spirit, you can see and taste and feel God, you at that moment are filled with joy infinitely more than anything else ever could come close to starting to impact you. Okay? We're wired to find our highest joy, to experience our highest joy in beholding greatness. And the prize that God holds out to you is seeing him more clearly feeling his presence more deeply, experiencing more of his love being poured into your heart, more rivers of living water pouring into your soul, satisfying your heart thirst. He is the prize. God, as revealed in Jesus Christ, is the prize. Let me have you turn to John chapter 14, verse 21. I didn't get the page number for what it is in the Bibles we passed out, so if you can look that up and shout that out. John 14, 21, back to the right. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Pardon? 901. Thanks, Zach. So I'm trying to talk about how the reward is not health or wealth or comfort. The reward is knowing God in the person of Jesus Christ. And look at what Jesus says here in John 14, 21. Puts the same idea in different words. He says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And get this next line. I will love him and manifest myself to him. 
In other words, if you obey me, I will manifest myself to you in an, in a, an increased, deepened way than you would have experienced otherwise. I will come and I will manifest myself to you. I will love him and manifest myself to him. So what that means is Tuesday night, Jan and I are there at this restaurant. We want to bring glory to Jesus. We, we love this couple that we're talking with. And Jesus says, if you obey me by advancing the gospel, I'm going to manifest myself to you. And that happened Tuesday night. The sense of the Lord's presence, the sense of his nearness, the sense of joy watching him work. If we obey Jesus Christ, he will manifest himself to us. And so the reward is not health. The reward is not wealth. The reward is not comfort. All of those are chicken feed, paltry compared to the riches of having Jesus Christ manifest himself to you. If you've been saved, you know what I'm talking about. You've tasted what it is to experience the Holy Spirit making Jesus real to you in your heart, and there's just nothing like knowing Jesus Christ in that way. Nothing. And he is the prize. Not health, not wealth, not comfort but beholding God in the person of Jesus Christ. So that's the first misunderstanding. Let's just get that totally out of the picture. We're not talking about obeying to get money or obeying to get health. We're talking about trusting and obeying Christ because I love Jesus and I want more of him and he promises more. He'll manifest himself to me. So that's one misunderstanding, okay? A second misunderstanding about rewards is we think that rewards are something we try to earn or deserve. Rewards, if we're going to go after rewards, they're trying to earn something from God. But see, we know that because of our sin, what we deserve is only punishment. We know that. All we deserve because of our sin is punishment. And the only way we can receive anything good from God is by grace, by mercy through the cross, right? It's all only by mercy and grace. The only way that Steve Fuller gets anything good from God is because God is merciful. I can't earn anything good from God. I can't deserve anything good from God. It's a free gift or it's nothing. That's how it works. But so we kind of think about it in this way. If Jesus and the gospel, if it's all about mercy, and if rewards are all about merit, I don't want to mess with rewards because I want mercy. That's kind of how we think. Because we think that pursuing a reward is trying to earn or deserve something from God. We know it's, it's not how it works. But in this passage, Matthew 6, Jesus motivates us with rewards, right? He says, give to the needy and God will reward you. Pray in secret and God will reward you. So Jesus wants us to give for the sake of the reward God promises. He wants us to pray because I want to be rewarded, okay? So Jesus talks about rewards. So why does Jesus, who's all about grace and mercy, motivate us with rewards? If rewards are something that we earn or deserve. The answer is rewards are not something that we earn or deserve. In the scripture, the rewards are not something we earn or deserve. You can't find that here. In the Bible, rewards are not earned or deserved. They are all about mercy. They're all about grace. Let me give you a couple reasons why. Just think about these. One reason is your obedience, your giving, or your praying did not come ultimately from you. Even your obedience was a gift given to you by God purchased through Jesus' death on the cross. So God rewards you 
for the obedience he gives you. Is that mercy or what? Okay, God works works in your heart by the power of his Holy Spirit, moves you to pray in secret, and God says, here, now you get the reward. It's like, win, win, win. That's awesome. Okay, so that's one reason. God is rewarding the obedience that he gives. Your obedience did not come ultimately from you. Another reason is that even our best moments of obedience are tainted by indwelling sin, right? Mine are, yours are, this side of heaven, that side of heaven, glory, no more tainting, but this side of heaven, tainted, and tainted obedience does not deserve rewards because it's tainted with sin. But in mercy, God rewards tainted obedience. It's mercy. It's the second reason it's mercy. Another reason is this. Our obedience is tiny, teeny, tiny, compared to the massive reward that we receive. So try to think of an illustration. Let's let's try this one out. Imagine that you're on the streets and you have no money. No money. And some wealthy person comes and and, and finds you, sees you, and, and they have compassion on you. And this wealthy person goes down to the Bank of America and deposits $10 billion in the bank under your name. Comes back and says, trust me. Just walk to the bank, got $10 billion. Okay? Trust me, if you walk to the bank, you'll be rewarded with $10 billion. All right? So what do you do? Start walking. Now, as you're walking, what's motivating you? The $10 billion. That's why you're walking. Okay, now, are you thinking while you're walking that you're earning? That you're somehow deserving that $10 billion? Anybody thinking that? No. It's a reward, but it's not earned. It's a gift given that you walk to receive it. So that's how it works in the gospel. See, there are, there are conditions, obedience, that do not mean we earn or deserve anything. Free, gracious gift from God. He comes to us and he says, trust me, there's $10 billion of salvation in the bank. Walk and, just trust me and walk and you'll receive it. And so we walk because we want that, but there's no sense that we're earning or deserving that. And so see, the rewards, the pursuit of rewards is not earned. The pursuit of rewards is not a matter of trying to deserve something. The pursuit of rewards is to receive what God freely and graciously gives to us. Let me try to spell it out another way. Just think about the whole salvation process, okay? It all starts with you and me. We are dead in sin, the Bible teaches, because of our own rebellion against God. We are dead in sin. We're not interested in God. Our backs are turned towards Jesus. We'd rather call the shots ourselves. We'd rather be in control. We'd rather get praise from other people. We want to be in charge. So our backs are willfully turned to God. We are rebellious. We're not interested. No thank you. That's who we are. That's me. That's you. Okay. And God looks down from heaven upon us. And because of how good and merciful he is, he looked at you and and he loved you. Why? Because he is loving, okay? There's no good reason in you. Lots of, all the reasons are in him. For the glory of his name, he looked down upon you and he felt compassion. And he chose to save you from before the foundation of the world. And then 2,000 years ago, he sent his own son and he took all of your sin and he punished all of your sin in his own son on the cross. And then, at some point in time in your life, he brought his power upon you and he subdued your rebellious will. He gave you repentance. 
He gave you faith. He changed your hearts. Okay, he put that in you. And so at that point in time, because of what God gave you through Jesus, through the cross, you repented, you put your trust in Jesus, and at that moment, all your sins were forgiven, past, present, and future. God poured his spirit out upon you, you're satisfied, and God brings his power upon you by the spirit and starts to produce obedience in you. You're you're being changed. He's accomplishing the good work he started, he's continuing until the day of Christ Jesus. So he's changing you. He's bringing about obedience. So get the picture. He loved you. He predestined you. He chose you. He paid for your sins on the cross. He gave you repentance and faith. He poured out the Holy Spirit upon you. He's producing obedience in you. And he says, I've done all that for you. And now I'm going to reward you. You see that? It's all mercy. It's all grace. And so don't for a second think that when Jesus says the Father is going to reward you, that we're trying to earn or deserve the reward. That is not how it works. So two misunderstandings I want to clear up. The reward is not health or wealth or comfort. What's the reward? It's God revealed in Jesus Christ. He is the prize. It's like Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It says in Philippians 3, 8, 9, whatever things were gained to me, I've counted them as loss for the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. Why? So that I may gain Christ. Reward. I'm counting those things lost because I want to gain Christ. I'm saying no to those things because I want to gain Christ. It's mercy, it's mercy, it's mercy, but it's Christ. It's gaining him and that's what Jesus calls us to do. So it's not health or wealth. It's more of God. It's not something we earn or deserve. It's the grace and mercy of God alone. And so Jesus wants our obedience to be motivated by reward. The reward of more of God as revealed in Jesus. More of your nearness. More of your love poured into my heart. Greater revelation of your glory shining in the face of Christ. More of the outpouring of the Spirit, living water satisfying my soul. I want you. You are the prize of the universe. I want to live my life to get more of you. And that's the big yes that makes the praise of man look paltry. Okay, now, let's hear some questions. What does this stir up? Questions like um, rewards we're talking about. Not health or wealth. It's God himself as revealed in Jesus. We don't earn rewards. It's grace. It's his gift of grace. It's all of grace. He gives everything and then he rewards us for receiving and experiencing what he's given. Uh, We don't do anything out of desire to be praised by other people or we'll have no reward. So what questions does this stir up? What more is there, right? That's a great question. And my conclusion is, uh, from this passage and many others, is that there's degrees of reward in heaven. That is, what you do today can increase the joy you'll have in the Lord, both now, your experience of God's nearness now, and in the life to come. Okay, so there's degrees of reward. I mean, we experience that in this life. When, when, you're close to, when, you're, when you're walking in obedience, you're experiencing more of Christ's presence here, right? You experience more when you're walking in obedience. When I sin, I just feel like I, I quench the spirit. Uh, but when I'm walking closely to the Lord, I'm, I'm walking in obedience, I'm experiencing more of him. So there's degrees of that in this life, but there's also degrees in the life to come. Not that it goes up and down, because we're sinless there. But the way we live here... Remember 1 Corinthians... Um, Three. 
Remember wood, hay, and stubble? You got, you, there's degrees of reward going on there in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, and so there's degrees of reward in heaven. Now, I, I was helped. Somebody said to me, I'm not sure who this was. I think it was probably an old Puritan guy. He said, everyone's heart in heaven will be full of the glory of God in Christ. So no one's heart in heaven is going to be like half full. Everybody's heart's going to be full. But, he says, we will have different capacities in our hearts depending on how we've lived here. Some will be like a 50-gallon barrel of full. You, maybe a shot glass full. Okay, there'll be different... different okay, everybody's full. But the capacity of fullness is impacted by how we live here because there's degrees of reward. So does that answer I mean, you, you want to chew on that more, but I think that's the biblical answer. It's a very astute question. If we're all saved, and, and if I'm, I'm sure I'm going to heaven, what difference does it make? It makes a difference in terms of how much joy you have, the capacity for joy that you have forever. That's huge to me. To think that the way I live today has the potential of increasing my joy in Jesus Christ forever. Mm. That's a great question. Isn't that a good question? That's good. Okay, any other questions? No, no. Uh, no, no, no. So, so we, so we got a hold. So the parable she's referring to, I forget the exact details, but, but somebody starts working at 8 o'clock or like 6 o'clock in the morning. He's going to get paid a denarius. Somebody else gets hired at 10. Okay. Somebody else at noon. Somebody else at 3. And then at 5, they all come in. They all get, they all get paid a denarius. Okay. And it's like, well, why? The people who came at 6 said, what's the big deal? Okay, so there's that parable. And then there's the parable of the, the talents, right? Where some get, someone gets ten talents, someone gets five talents, someone gets... Is that, so, so we've got to hold those parables up together. Did anybody have that right at the top of your head? So the first parable where somebody who works at... I think the point of the first parable is it's all grace. Somebody who gets saved like the thief on the cross... Okay, but I, and actually, I'm not, I don't know what the answer to that question is. I'm not going to try to answer it off the top of my head because I might. Does anybody else? Maybe some of you have thought about that more. So maybe the point is comparing our circumstances with other people. Um, somebody else might have a relatively trial-free life, and somebody else might have a trial-full life. And that could cause some comparison. That, that's a good possible direction. I'll work on this next week, and then I'll share what my thoughts are. Um, but we need to wrap up here. So here, here's, here's the punchline. What's this going to look like in, in our lives? And let me just challenge you. How, how do you obey God? I mean, t- take the issue of prayer. Do you, when you pray, say, I think Jesus wants us to pray with the thought of, I'm, I'm going to pray right now, and I can, people can be blessed by this, and you'll be glorified by this, but one of the reasons, one of my motivations for prayer should be because I want the reward of more of you now and forever. I think Jesus smiles. We're not earning it. My prayer doesn't earn it at all. And it's not health or wealth I'm looking for, but the reward of knowing God in the person of Jesus more deeply now, in prayer, and forever. I just want to challenge you. Do you you struggle with prayer? And if so, have you ever thought about that as your motivation? That if I pray, Jesus says, God will reward you. Do you want the reward? This is the kind of questions Jesus wants us to be asking. Understanding it's not health, wealth, and it's not earned or deserved. Do you want the reward? Then pray.
How about giving? God wants us to give more of our money to advance the gospel, but do you give, like Jesus says, so that God will reward you? Now again, understanding, it's not health or wealth, and it's not earning or deserving, but it's that you want God. You are my prize. I want you. I want more of you in my life. So yes, I want to give as much as I can to receive more of you. That's, that's how Jesus wants us giving. Or, or take Sunday, Sunday worship. Here we are. We're here Sunday morning at our, at our worship gathering. You know, you're not home lazing. You're here. But do you, do you come to this worship gathering with the hunger of, I want the reward? I'm here to be rewarded. I want God in the person of Jesus. I'm going to sing and worship to seek him. I'm going to listen intently to the word to receive him. I'm going to interact with my brothers and sisters because I want more of him. Is God in Christ your reward for why you're here this morning? Or is it just, well, this is what I do? Or if I wasn't here, somebody might wonder where I was. Those aren't good reasons, okay? Is it because I want more of God? I want the reward of knowing God in the person of Jesus Christ. Here's my challenge to you. Don't be motivated by the desire to be praised by others or you'll have no reward from God. Let the big yes, which crushes that no, or that, that, you know, to say no that, you need a big old yes that says, "Be be motivated in your obedience, be fueled in your obedience by the desire for more of God as revealed in Jesus. He is the reward. And when that fuel is what's in your, your rocket ship of your Christian life, you'll be in orbit. Okay, that's how it works. All right, let's stand. Let me pray this over us. Lord, I pray for those for whom talk about rewards like this feels uh, awkward, feels uncomfortable, feels mercenary, feels uh, utilitarian in some way. But Lord Jesus, this is what you say. These are your words. Help us understand your words. You want us to be motivated by the reward. The reward of you receiving more of you, having you manifest yourself to us even more, having our hearts be filled even more with your presence. So God, I pray for your power to come right now. Free us from misunderstandings. Give us your understanding, I pray, for the glory of your name. God, come and work with power in our hearts right now, I pray. Come and work with power. Some of you, maybe, maybe you are seeing this morning that, that you've, you've, done, you, you've tended to obey in order to be recognized by other people. And you just want to lay that before the Lord. I just want to give you an opportunity. If you want to come up and just kneel down here and pray, come on up and do that. It might be a, it might be a turning point moment for you. Not, yeah, just come on up right now. You, you've seen it. There's been some obedience in order to be praised by people. And I just feel like the Lord wants me to open up that invitation. And uh, if that's you, come on up. Just lay that before the Lord. Repent of it. Ask him to, to cleanse you. Ask him to give you that bigger yes of the reward that God has for you. Don't be bashful. If it's, Don't do it just because I'm seeing it, but because the Lord, the Lord's saying... Do this. Do this.
I pray, Lord, you just have us search our hearts. Lord, we, we don't want to obey or think we're obeying in order to be praised by people. Thank you for your clear words here. We want to obey because of the reward of you. You are our love. You are our heart's desire. You are the prize of the universe. We want you, Lord God. So work this into us, Lord. Forgive me for the just how easy it is to want to do things so people notice. Cleanse me from that, Lord. Wash us, I pray, as a church. And Lord, as, as we here at Mercy Hill Church, as this week, as we pray, as we give, as we love, as we lead, as we minister, as we share the gospel, would you, Jesus, as you've promised, would you manifest yourself to us in even greater ways that we would say, yes, this is what you were talking about. This is why I want to obey now and the rest of my life. Lord, put that upon us, I pray, for the glory of your name. So come, Lord, I pray.